Well, good evening. Good to see you tonight. Glad to have those of you online with us tonight also. Uh, whether you're there on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, be sure to heart to like, to share, subscribe, follow us there on all those platforms. Uh, click those notification bell there on YouTube. That way you'll get the latest uh, live as it goes live. Also welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. Glad to have you with us uh, tonight also. Uh, so comment there, uh, do all those things so it helps to get the word out even more. If you have access to our church website, uh, go there, HighlandBaptistChurch.com. You can download the worship bulletin for today, the children's worship bulletins, ages 3 and up and 7 and up. Uh, those are there to download under the info tab, as well as the prayer list uh, is there for you to download. So be sure uh, to get those so you can be praying through that list and so you can keep up to date with what's going on uh, with our, our services and with the different ministries we're doing. Uh, and you can share those children's bulletins links. Those go along with the Sunday morning uh, service uh, also. And then also don't forget you can do your online giving. Go to the far right hand side, click that Give Online tab. A real easy platform there to set up your online giving as a recurring gift, a one-time gift. You can do your regular offering, you can do your special offerings, so be sure to do that. And then also don't forget your Who's Your One if you've not done that yet. Uh, those little cards are down here in front of the uh, pulpit. If you're at home and you would like one of these, uh, let us know. We'll be glad to mail you one of these. Uh, just give us a call at our church office, comment there in the comments, uh, send us a, a direct message uh, if you want to send us your, your contact information, and that way we'll get you one of those uh, out. The top part is the blue part for you to fill out a name of an individual uh, who you know may be lost, who doesn't know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, and then you'll turn that in. You'll get that back to us if you're at home. You'll send that back to us in the mail or drop it off uh, by the church office during the week. Uh, if you're here in person, you can just put those in the offering plates. We'll put those on the cross later. Uh, but then you have your bookmark also that you can be praying through the scriptures there uh, for that individual or individuals. So be sure to take the time to do that as we're seeking to reach our one throughout this year. And I think that's all that I had to say right now. Brother Mike, if you'll come. Hey, everybody. Take your hymnals and turn to 411. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Ms. Pat. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word Just to rest upon his promise Just to know that saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him trust in Jesus just to trust his cleansing blood just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing blood Jesus Jesus how I trust him how I proved him or and or Jesus Jesus Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin 
Take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and let's turn to the book of Genesis once again. We're going through our study in the book of Genesis on Sunday evening, so uh, we're in chapter 16. Uh, It's important for us to understand the book of of Genesis uh, because there's so much uh, in it uh, that is important for our lives, uh, not just uh, from a a salvific point of view, uh, but also for an application uh, daily, daily life walking with the Lord kind of view. And so I've entitled my message uh, this evening, Waiting on God. I've actually, it actually says a little bit more than that in your bulletins because it's waiting on God as we walk by faith. So it's not a passive just, uh, I'm going to wait and wait and wait and wait. You're actually having faith as you're walking by faith in the Lord. You're waiting on God uh, to do His will. So you just continue to do the things that He's already told you uh, to do until He shows you the next step uh, for you to take. So Genesis chapter 16, we're going to begin, if you will, with just verse 1. So if you would, let's stand and read God's Word in honor of His Word. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to ask tonight that you would take your word, which is living, which is powerful, which is transformative to change our lives. Father, we pray that you would use it to renew our hearts and to renew our minds. We pray that you would use it to bring individuals to faith in Jesus Christ as faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we pray that your word would be powerful and effective tonight in a great and mighty way here from the book of Genesis. Lord, teach us your truth about waiting on you as we walk by faith. And Lord, I pray that as we, uh, as we come to the end of this message tonight, Lord, may we be farther along in our journey with you, able, to, able and ready uh, for the next steps uh, along the journey of life that we're facing. And so we ask your blessings on your word, your blessings on the application of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, Genesis chapter 16 records for us a painful detour, if you will, in the lives of Abraham and Sarah as they make their pilgrimage, as they continue their walk with the Lord. And it's a detour that brings conflict not only into their home, 
but into all the world and still is here with us even today. It's what many call the Arab-Israeli conflict. Uh, it began right here uh, in this passage in Genesis chapter 16. But this account is so much more, though, than just a, an ancient history uh, account here with modern consequences. Uh, this passage is a good lesson for God's people about walking by faith and waiting for God to fulfill His promises in His way in His time. So as we come to study this passage, we're going to study the stages, if you will, of the experiences of Abraham and Sarah, and we're going to see how dangerous it is for us to depend on our own wisdom. And so here's the first point I want you to see is waiting. Uh, that if we're going to follow the Lord, uh, if we're going to walk by faith, there are going to be those times, those occasions in life where we're going to have to wait on Him. How many of you like waiting? I didn't see anybody raise their hand. I'm sure at home you didn't raise your hand either. Uh, we are, we're in a society where we do everything we can to avoid waiting. We structure businesses and, and, and uh, those places that you frequent, uh, restaurants, uh, fast food restaurants, all kinds of places. I mean, we pull out our phones and poof, 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 we can order stuff and have it delivered to the house because we don't like waiting. We don't like have to go wait in those lines uh, at the store. We just want it here at the house the next day. Uh, sometimes you can get it uh, that very same day. Uh, and so we don't like waiting. Well, Abraham in this, in our part of our story tonight, is 85 years old. He's been walking with the Lord for 10 years as he left uh, his, his home place and all his kindred. Uh, he's come down to the land that the Lord has led him to. Uh, it's been 10 years on this journey so far. And he's learned some valuable lessons uh, about faith. God had promised Abraham and Sarah a child, though. But he hadn't told them that the child or when the child would be born. He just said, you're going to have a child. And from that child is going to come a multitude of people that are going to bless the nations uh, of the world. But he didn't tell him when that was going to happen. And so from the time he received the promise until we come here to Genesis chapter 16, it's been a time of waiting, a period of waiting. And as we said, most people don't like to wait. But it is through, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. So understand, God has a timetable. And His timetable is a perfect timetable for all that He wants to do. I mean, think about what's happening here. After all, this event wasn't just the birth of any other baby, of any ordinary baby. It was a part, this baby would be a part of God's great plan of salvation for the whole world. But here is Sarah, uh, who, as Sarah waited for something to happen, she becomes impatient. And, and don't get on me yet, Miss Gail, because I'm pointing out Sarah here. We're going to talk about Abraham in a little bit, too. <laughs> Sarah had some problems. She was impatient with the Lord, and she couldn't wait. Uh, and so, uh, why was it that God waited so long? God wanted Abraham and Sarah to be physically as good as dead so that when they 
had this baby, when she became pregnant with this baby, there would be no other way to explain what happens with Sarah and Abraham except that it was the Lord and the Lord would get all the glory. Now, as we said, he's about 85 years old. Abraham's still able to father a child uh, because we know he's able to father a child by Hagar. And so the time for the miracle baby had not yet arrived. But understand this, whatever is truly done by faith is always done for the glory of God and not for the praise of men. So what we need to do is, in the application for us, as we see here with Sarah and Abraham, is we need to have a willingness to wait on the Lord. We need to have a willingness in our hearts. Uh, and and that's, that's one of the evidences that we're walking by faith if we have that willingness. Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16 says this, whoever believes will not be in haste. In other words, you're not going to hurry. You're not going to run ahead of God. Uh, and so th that's the emphasis of that verse that we want to see there, that when we're walking by faith, it's not to be in haste. If we believe and trust in God, you will not be in haste. Paul quotes that verse in Romans chapter 10 and verse 11, and he amplifies its meaning, and he says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame because you're not rushing ahead of God. So whenever we stop trusting God, we always start to act in haste, and it leads us in the wrong direction, and we end up being ashamed because of the, the, the running ahead of God and the steps that we took. There's another evidence that you're walking by faith, and that's that you're acting on the authority of God's Word. You're, you're, you're living your life on the authority of God's Word. Uh, in fact, we, we read the Scripture this morning, Romans 10, and verse 17 says, So then faith comes through hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. So if you're obeying what God says in His Word, then you can act by faith and know that God will bless you. But also, whenever you act by faith, know this. God will give you a peace in your heart and a joy in your life. Romans 15 verse 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So when you see that word believing, that's not just here in the mind or in the heart. It's actually being demonstrated in the actions of what we do. And so he's saying there, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you're believing, as you're demonstrating your belief in your life so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So understand, conflict may surround you. But you will always have God's peace and God's joy within you if you're living in His Word. And so those are some of the evidences of, of a true biblical faith, that you're willing to wait, that you're concerned for the glory of God, uh, that you're obeying God's Word, and that you have God's joy and peace within you. So let me ask you this tonight. Are you really waiting on the Lord. Because waiting on the Lord means that you're willing to wait. It means you're concerned for His glory. It means you're obeying His Word. And it means you have peace and joy in your heart. Here was Abraham and Sarah. They were waiting. 
God was increasing their faith. He was increasing their patience and building their character. And then something happened that put Abraham and Sarah on a painful detour. We see that scheming comes into the picture. You know, so often when we're waiting and we don't get our way or it's not happening as quick as we want, we start trying to, the wheels start clicking in our brains and we start trying to think of, well, if I did this, maybe this would hurry it up. If I did this, maybe that would make this happen. And, and we get all these thoughts going on in our minds and we start thinking about things. We start scheming our plans in our minds. Sarah knew that she was incapable of bearing a child but she also knew that her husband was, was still capable of having a child. So let's read, if you will, verse 1, uh, and the rest of verse 1, down through verse 4. So it says, in the rest of verse 1, uh, it said that she, she had borne him no children. It goes on to say, she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarah. We'll stop right there with verse 2 for just a moment. So notice she knows Abram's still able to have, uh, to be a father of, of a child. Uh, we know that God has specifically named Abraham as the father. He said to Abraham, he didn't say to Sarah, Sarah, you're going to be the mother uh, of a great nation. He said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to be the father uh, of a great nation. From your seed is going to come this one who is, the, your descendants are going to be as the, the stars in the heaven and the sand on the sea. God had not yet identified the mother. And so logically, it would be Abraham's wife. But maybe God had other plans. So here was Sarah, who she begins second-guessing God. How often have we done that? We start second-guessing God. That's a dangerous thing to do. Because remember, true faith is based on the Word of God and not the wisdom of man, because faith is living without scheming. So Sarah says this in verse 2 here. She said, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be. She's not basing it on anything that God has said. Maybe this is the way he wants to do it. So understand here, she wasn't here at this point concerned about the glory of God. She says, it may be. She didn't say, thus says the Lord. God said, this is the way it's supposed to happen. God had told Abraham back in chapter 15 and verse 13, no for certain. But Sarah, she didn't have that kind of assurance on which to base her actions. Also, Sarah wasn't concerned, as we said, about the glory of God. Her only goal is what verse 2 says there. She says, Behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be, what's the rest? That I may obtain children by her. 
Notice where the focus of that whole sentence, that whole statement is at. It's on her. In fact, in that statement, there's maybe there a hint of disappointment with God, maybe even blaming God when she says, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So you could see she's almost pointing her finger. It's the Lord's fault. He's the one who's prevented me from having children. Maybe this is the way it needs to happen. You know, it's often been said that God's delays are not God's denials. But Satan then begins to whisper to you and tells you, you know what? God's holding out on you. God's holding out on you. If he loved you, things would be different. Blame him. And so Abraham's taking Hagar as a second wife in the context of their customs, it was perfectly legal according to the marriage codes of that day. In later years, uh, Jacob would marry uh, his wife's maids, uh, Bilhah and Zilpah, uh, and each would give him two sons. But look at what happened. The plan seems to be successful because notice what happens in the next verses. So verse 2 said, what did it say at the end of verse 2? Abram, didn't, he, he didn't say, you're crazy, woman. I'm not going into her. Abram listened to the voice, not of God, but of his wife, Sarah. So after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Seems like the plan's going like they thought. Maybe this is the way. Seems to be successful. She conceived a child. If it wasn't God's plan... Wouldn't he have closed the door and, and her not have a child? Maybe Sarah was right after all. But understand this, not everything that's legal and not everything that appears to be successful is a part and approved by the will of God. God never accepted Hagar as Abram's wife. The angel of the Lord calls her down in verse 8, Sarah's maid. Later, she's called the slave woman with her son in Genesis 21.10, not Abraham's wife and son. Why? Because Romans 14, verse 23 says, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. God rejected the whole scheme because he had something far better in mind for Abraham and Sarah. And so when you look back at these four evidences that we talked about a moment ago of biblical faith that we mentioned before, you can see that Abraham and Sarah, they didn't pass the test. I mean, they weren't even willing to do number one, wait on the Lord. Instead, they rushed ahead with their own plans. They were only in it to please themselves and not to glorify God. They weren't obeying the word, and what they did certainly did not bring any joy and peace to their hearts or to their home and has not brought peace to the Middle East. Scottish novelist George MacDonald was right when he said, and whatever man does without God, he must fail miserably or succeed more miserably. When you leave God out of it, 
it's always going to be a failure, no matter how much of a success it might look. So that leads us to the third stage in Abraham and Sarah's detour experience. So they went from waiting to scheming, and now look, they go to fighting. Look at the rest of verse 4. And when she saw, so this is Sarah, who's looking at Hagar, and she sees that Hagar conceives. When Sarah saw that Hagar had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarah said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Wow. Abraham sticks his foot in his mouth to start with. When you follow the wisdom of the world, you end up fighting like the world. And of all the fights that we can have, family fights are the most painful and the most difficult to settle. Notice here, if Hagar had kept the attitude of a servant, things might have been different. But notice what happened. She conceives a child and she kind of flaunts it there in front of Sarah. She doesn't have the attitude of a servant anymore. She becomes proud, and that begins to irritate Sarah. And so Abraham and Sarah understand they had begun in the Spirit when they put their faith in the Lord on this journey of faith following the Lord, and now they had turned to the flesh for help. And some of the works of the flesh are starting to appear. So here's Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. They're at war with each other uh, because they were at war with the Lord. And they were at war with the Lord because they had selfish desires warring within their own hearts. So the first thing they should have done was they should have built an altar, worshiped the Lord, and went before the Lord and told him their problems and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? We think this might be what you want us to do, but what do you want us to do? So Sarah had that, that idea, maybe it should be that I give you Hagar and, and she'll be your wife, and that's the way God's going to bring about this plan. Not once do they build an altar, not once do they worship the Lord, not once do they tell him their problems. They should have confessed their sins they, and, and received his forgiveness. Understand this, when you stop fighting with God and with yourself, you will have an easier time not fighting with others. So the first step toward reconciliation with others is always getting right with God. But instead of facing their sins honestly, instead of saying, wait a second, I think we messed up here. Let's go to the Lord and talk to Him. Let's repent of our sin before Him and what we did and trying to scheme our own way through this, and let's make things right. And so instead of facing that sin honestly, understand that each of these persons that were involved took a different course, and that only made things worse. Notice what Sarah's solution was. She didn't say nothing to Hagar. She looks over there at Abraham and says, it's your fault. But think about it. Who came up with the plan to start with? 
It was Sarah. And she's complaining to Abraham about the situation here. She's blaming her husband, and she does mistreat her servant as she gives way to her anger. She seems to have forgotten that she's the one who made this marriage suggestion in the first place. And then notice Abraham's solution. Abraham's solution is to give in to his wife, to abdicate the spiritual leadership in the home. He should have felt bad for, for this helpless servant, Hagar, who was now pregnant. But notice what? Not once do you see Abraham going over here and putting his hands between the two. You've got to stop fighting here. Look at them fighting over there. That's a pretty good cat fight over there between two women. He does nothing. He does nothing to help Hagar. And he lets Sarah mistreat her. He should have called them to the altar, but he didn't because he wasn't where he needed to be. He had advocated the spiritual leadership in the family. Hagar's solution, notice what her solution was. Her solution, as we're going to find, was to run away. Verse 6 there said that, that Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, with her, and Hagar fled from her. She fled from her. So her solution was to run away from the problem. That was something that was learned from Adam and Eve since the garden. And we still do it today. When we sin, we try to run from uh, the, the, the problem that we have. Uh, one thing we need to realize and we soon discover is that you cannot solve your problems by running away because there's going to be more problems wherever you run to. And, and so Abraham, he had learned that when he had fled to Egypt. There was peace in the home for a short time, but it wasn't the peace of God. It was only a brittle, temporary truce that would soon fail. And so what started with waiting led to scheming that led to fighting. And the family's in a big turmoil here now. Here's a woman over here, Hagar. She's hurting. She, she's been mistreated throughout this whole thing. She's over here, and, and, and she's pregnant, and Sarah is harsh to her, and she flees from the situation. Here's Sarah over here, who's not acting like the Christian woman she needs to be, the godly woman she needs to be. And here's Abraham, who should have been the leader in all of this, who should have been going before the Lord to start with. So it was waiting to scheming, to fighting, that could only be resolved in submitting. We don't like submission. We don't like that term. We don't like that term when we talk about it in marriages. We don't like that term of submission because that means we have to get rid of our pride. Notice verse 7 goes on here because if you want to see why Christians fight and how Christians can be at peace, you can look at James chapter 4, verse 1 through verse 10. Our battles among ourselves are caused because we obey our three enemies. We obey the world, we obey the flesh, we obey the devil. So how can we expect to be at peace with God and each other 
if we're living for the enemy, if we're living in sin. In fact, James 4, 6, and 6 through 7 says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. So how did they have to submit? Notice in verse 7 through verse 14, Hagar had to submit to God. So Hagar has fled from Abraham and Sarah. And verse 7 says that the angel of the Lord found her, found Hagar, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Now go back to the Garden of Eden. Did God know? God knew. He knew where Adam and Eve were when they were trying to hide from him. He still asked the question, where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? He wanted Adam to admit it. And so he comes to the place here. He's, he, he's telling Sarah, the angel, of, uh, telling Hagar, the, the angel of the Lord speaking to her and says, where have you come from? Where are you going? The angel of the Lord knew. She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction." He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Bir Laharoi. It lies between Kadesh and Bereth. So in these verses here, in verse 7 through verse 14, this is the first appearance in the Bible, uh, in the Scriptures, of the angel of the Lord, who is generally identified throughout the Old Testament Scriptures when he appears as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse 10 there, the angel promises to do what only God can do. In verse 13, Hagar calls the angel God. These pre-incarnate visits, as you continue to read throughout the Old Testament Scriptures, are pre-incarnate visits of Jesus Christ to this earth. All those visits were to meet the special needs and to accomplish special tasks. And so the fact that the Son of God takes on a temporary body, left heaven, and comes down to help a rejected servant girl surely shows God's grace and God's love. And so his servants, Abraham and Sarah, they had sinned against the Lord and against Hagar. But notice the Lord didn't desert them. The angel called her the servant of Sarah, which suggests that God didn't accept the marriage to Abraham. In other words, God, the, the, the angel of the Lord here didn't say, Abraham's wife, you're Abraham's wife. He calls her the servant of Sarah still, even though the marriage has happened and all of that has happened physically there. So that reminds us that this marriage was not accepted by God. Apparently, Hagar's on her way back down to Egypt where she met this angel. God here tells her 
to return to Abraham's camp and to submit herself to Sarah. That's going to take a great deal of faith. If somebody's hurt you, they've said ugly things to you, they've mistreated you, and the Lord says, I want you to go and be humble before them. Submit to their leadership over you. That's hard to do. And yet that's what he tells Hagar here to do. Go and submit yourself to Sarah. And then God tells her, you're pregnant with a son. And here's what I want you to name him. I want you to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. Because God has heard your afflictions. And so while he's not going to be Abraham's heir in the blessings of the covenant, Ishmael would still enjoy blessings from God since he was Abraham's son. And so God promised to multiply Ishmael's descendants to make them into great nations. And he did. Because Ishmael is the founder of the Arab peoples. Ishmael would be, as he says in verse 12, a, a wild donkey of a man. That's not a flattering description. It, it identifies him with a wilderness where he lived by his skill as an archer, as you find out later, uh, and we'll find out more about what happens with him later. It also shows uh, his, his, independent and, 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 uh, his independent nature there, uh, his stern nature. He, he would be a, a hated man. Uh, living, uh, as verse 12 would go on to say, he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. He'd be hated by them. There would be hostility toward all his brothers. Now, you can't apply those traits to every descendant of Ishmael, but there is this centuries-long hostility between the Jews and between the Arabs that's all too well known that cannot be ignored. So the Arab nations are an independent peoples dwelling in a desert land, resisting the advancement of other nations, especially Israel and her allies. And so Hagar's wilderness experience brings her face to face with God and teaches her some important truths about God that we can learn. She learned that he is the living God who sees us. He sees everything that's going on in your life. The worst things that are happening and you think nobody sees, nobody knows, nobody understands the troubles that I'm going through, God sees. He not only sees, he, he, he also hears. He hears our cries when we're hurt, when we're crying out to him. You're praying and you think that, that the Lord's not hearing your prayers. The Bible tells us that he hears your cries. He hears our cries when we hurt. Uh, the name of the well there uh, that, that you see there, it, it means the well of one who lives and sees me. She had learned that he is a personal God who's concerned about those who've been abused. He's concerned about unborn babies. He's also, she also learns that he knows the future and he cares for those who will trust him. What wonderful lessons that Hagar learns from God. Hagar does return, and she does submit to Sarah. Now, surely, we don't know because the Scripture doesn't tell us specifically, but surely she apologized for being arrogant, for despising Sarah, for running away. She trusted God to protect her and her son and to care for them in the years to come, but she nevertheless comes back and submits herself to Sarah. We never solve life's problems 
by running away. So submit to God and trust him to work out things for your good and for his glory. That's about Hagar, who had to submit to Sarah. Let's move on to Sarah. Sarah had to submit to God. I mean, think about it. How did Sarah feel when Hagar comes back to the camp and, and reports what God, that she's met God? And God has talked with her. I mean, did God have time for a poor servant girl? Uh, was God concerned about a slave girl's baby? Did the God of Israel care for an Egyptian woman, servant? Yes, because that Egyptian's baby had Abraham as a father, and God had a covenant with Abraham. Now, the biblical record doesn't tell us how Sarah responded, but it would appear that she accepted both Hagar and her report, took her back as her servant. We don't see anything to the contrary. We don't see that she mistreats her again because, after all, from what we learned from Hagar, God sees. God's watching. So Sarah has to submit to God. But then we come to the boy. We come to Abraham. Abraham had to submit to God. We see in verse 15 and verse 16 that Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So in this entire episode, Abram, Abraham here plays, if you will, a rather passive role. He lets Sarah talk him into marrying Hagar. He allows Sarah to mistreat Hagar. He doesn't do anything to intervene. He, he doesn't do anything to stop her from driving Hagar out of the camp. Apparently, Abraham didn't even offer to help Hagar in any way himself. Now, later he makes up for that in Genesis 21 in verse 9. But when his son was born, Abraham acknowledges him. He does obediently gave, give him the name that God had appointed. But both Abraham and Sarah had to learn to live with their mistakes. And certainly Abraham enjoyed watching Ishmael grow up. And his heart was full of love for him. But Abraham knew Ishmael's not going to be the one. He's not going to be the permanent part of the covenant family. God's solution to the Ishmael problem, notice what it was not. It wasn't to blame Abraham. His solution wasn't to blame Sarah. His solution wasn't to blame Hagar over here. His solution is to send another baby into the home named Isaac. Now, Ishmael didn't give Abraham and Sarah any trouble until Isaac comes along. And then he starts to create problems in Genesis 21, 1 through 11. And we're going to see that later. And we're going to see later all of these things have a profound theological significance for the Christian today. So Genesis 16 has a lot to do with the New Testament. In fact, there are several texts from the book of Romans that are illustrated by what's recorded here in Genesis chapter 16. Romans chapter 14 and verse 23 says this, as we mentioned this verse a while ago already, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. 
So understand this. Be sure that your plans and your actions can pass the four tests of faith that we mentioned before. People may agree with you. The law may defend you. But if God cannot bless you because it's not according to his word, you better not do it. No matter what everybody else says. Let God accomplish his will in his way and in his time. Sarah tried to run ahead of God, and she created problems that are still with us today. For whatever does not proceed from faith, trusting in God, is sin. Romans 5 verse 17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. In Genesis chapter 15, grace was reigning through righteousness because of Abraham's faith. In fact, if you go back to chapter 15 and verse 6, this won't be on your screen. Just turn a page back probably in your Bibles. It says about Abraham, and he believed the Lord and God counted it to him as righteousness. You see Abraham there living and reigning in that righteousness and in the grace there and, and faith, trusting the Lord, believing in the Lord. Uh, he's living life to the glory of God. But then comes chapter 16. And he abdicates the throne in chapter 16 and sin starts to reign in his life. Unbelief, impatience, anger, pride. And indifference begin to take over in Abraham's home and almost destroys his family. Understand this. The Bible says that God's people are kings and priests who ought to reign in life by submitting and yielding to Jesus Christ. Romans 5 verse 20 says this. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Now, that doesn't mean that, that God looks at our sin and, and he lifts up the rug and sweeps it under and hides it. He doesn't wink at our sin. What that verse means, it doesn't mean that, that abundant sinning is the key to abundant grace. So let's just sin a lot more so we can receive a lot more of grace. What it means is, is that God's grace is greater than man's sin. And it can accomplish God's best even when men do their worst. In grace, God saw Hagar fleeing to Egypt. And he comes to her and he meets her needs. And he made her the mother of a great nation. Now, of course, he did it because of Abraham. But God's covenant with Abraham was a covenant of grace. From our human point of view and the way we need to see things from the human point of view, this detour was a tragedy that brought God's great salvation plan to a standstill. But think about it from God's point of view. Did any of this catch God by surprise? No. So understand, when he can't rule, he overrules. And he always accomplishes his purposes. Satan wants us to think that when we are disobedient, when we have sinned, when we have messed up, he wants us to think that our disobedient detours have become a permanent road for the rest of our lives. But that's a lie. 
Because just like Abraham and Sarah, we can come and confess our sins. We can accept God's cleansing and forgiveness. And we can learn to live with our mistakes. And yes, there will be pain. And yes, there would be regret. I mean, think about it. Yes, God forgave them, but the consequences of it were still there. Same happens for us. You sin, you can be forgiven of your sin, but you're still going to have to live with the consequences of your sin. And it's going to bring pain, and it's going to bring regret. But understand this, God's grace will always overcome in the end. So understand this, wait on God. Have a willingness in your heart to always wait on Him. Don't run ahead of Him. Be patient. Trust Him. Follow Him. Don't go to scheming, coming up with your own plans. Uh, don't, don't try to think that, that this, uh, if I do this or I do that, uh, that's going to fix things because all that's going to lead to is fighting. Fighting with God, fighting within yourself, fighting with others. And the only way to have that resolved is to get right with God. Wait on God as we walk by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the lessons that we can learn from the mistakes of others. Father, I pray that we would learn these lessons so that we ourselves don't make the same mistakes, that we don't follow in those same paths and sin in our hearts and have to live with those consequences. Father, I pray that we would always be seeking in our hearts to be all that you would have us to be, following you, always coming before you. When there's decisions that we need to make in our lives, Lord, help us to be very, very careful to make sure that we're going to your word. We're, we're spending time in your word. We're spending time in prayer so that when we make a decision, it is never outside of the bounds of what your word says is okay for us to do or, or that it's not okay so that we don't go outside of those bounds. Father, I pray that you will help us to learn from Sarah and Hagar and Abraham in this situation. Lord, as Christian men, help us not to be passive like Abraham was in this, uh, to, to not intervene when we see uh, others, especially those in our family uh, who are in disagreement with one another, but to seek to be the peacemaker Father, help us uh, to, to always try to bring the family back to you and to, to, to come back before you. That If we've sinned and we've messed up, to admit our sin before you and to seek your forgiveness and your cleansing, to be set back on that path of righteousness for your namesake. But Father, I pray that we would even get to that point, that we would let your word lead us and direct our paths, that your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. Lord, that we would not turn to the right hand or to the left, but that we would simply follow you each and every step of each and every day. Lord, help us to wait on you as we walk by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe the Lord has spoken to you in your heart tonight and you need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, I just encourage you there online to comment and let us know that. If you need to do that here in person, come forward in our invitation. But maybe the Lord just wants you to pray during this invitation to say, Lord, I've not been waiting on you. Would, you. would you come to the Lord tonight in our time of invitation? Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Would you stand?
eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me place in my hand the wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free silently now I wait for thee ready my God Thank you so much for being here with us tonight in person. Those of you uh, online too, we look forward to having you back Wednesday night. Awana will begin at 5.30. Uh, our Bible study and prayer time in here for the adults will be at 6 o'clock. So come and join us. Join us online if you have to there. Uh, we look forward to having you. We'll have our new prayer list out on Wednesday too. So be sure to take a look for that on our church website. Uh, to get that downloaded before the service then. We'll be back in the book of Zechariah on Wednesday night, so come and enjoy that too as we're going through the Minor Prophets there. But you have a blessed week, a safe week. We'll see you this coming Wednesday.